This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Islanders country, hello. This is the Eyes on Isles podcast powered by the Fansided Sports Network. I am your host, Joe Bono. Follow me on Twitter at Isles Fix and subscribe to our Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter. And I'm joined once again by our full-time recurring guest, the man whose vent did not motivate the Islanders for different outcomes, Mr. Andy Francis. How are you today, sir? I'm doing all right. I guess one little bow that I can put on last week's rant is, you know, it's not good when a random guy is showing more passion than the actual team. That's oh. Not a great sign. Are you really that random after the MSG special? Dude, can you still carry uh, that moniker? Is I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but, you know, I, I'm not sure that uh, that Adam Pellick knows who I am out there. But regardless, um you know, uh, I was just thinking, like, if somebody was telling me, hey, Andy, you got to relax, relax, relax. And then my response would be, well, it's pretty damn sad that a random guy online has more passion about the team's success <laughs> than the team seemingly does. Although, nope. you know, tough to uh, I'll let you get into it. So where do you want to head? You know, well, you know, we last time we came to you, it was after the Islanders had lost four one to the Calgary flames. They had the back-to-back losses uh, Thursday and Friday to Edmonton and Calgary. And uh, Islanders were giving up a lot of goals, not scoring many, another bad starts and uh, not a lot of offense. And uh, they really pointed to this five game homestand, a season long five game homestand against some tough opponents. Yeah. You get in there in between um, you get the Canadians there, but, Dallas, Minnesota, Washington, Boston. So it was not going to be easy. And through four games, they only have four points to show it, show for it. But what I kind of want to start with is, yeah, they're not winning games still, but it's a different type of formula than the way they were losing games on the Pacific road trip. Um, these are yeah, well, tight games and games there. They have not been able to hold leads. It's a really good game. I thought they played against Dallas. They talked about the fact that they deserved to win, and I agree with that sentiment. 
got to the shootout. Yeah, you have to start. You have to start before you do those and you make those quick assessments. The first thing you have to say is, all right, well, what did the other team bring? I'm sorry, but you know it. That Dallas team brought forth that Pittsburgh, Florida performance. But do you know who did not? You know who matched the Islanders' energy? The Minnesota Andrew. Wild. Okay. I you were no, no, no. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. goalie goalie always has the ability to do it. But no way can you say, oh, the Islanders dominated the Stars. The Stars threw a man. I didn't say they dominated, but they were, the, they were the better team against a first-place team, and they put themselves in a position to win that game. And uh, an overtime goal, or, or they win in the skills competition, you're feeling a lot better than that game ended. So, um, listen, was it the Dallas Stars' best performance? No, but no, against, but it uh, wasn't even there. It wasn't even their medium performance. That was a full mail-in. People have to recognize this, and maybe it's because not enough people watch other teams play. Watch the Stars in a competitive game that they're into it. That is a full. What you just saw the Stars do is what you saw the Islanders do in the Calgary and whatnot. It was a full freaking mail-in. So you can't judge those wins. The only difference is they somehow get wins out of their mail-ins, and we just <laughs> catch absolute beatings in our mail-ins. So it was the Dallas game there. Then the Minnesota game, you had that wild play, uh, pun intended, uh, where you look like Sorokin makes the save. They're chanting, Ilya Sorokin! Ilya Sorokin is getting chanted at UBS Arena. And then you finally get a whistle, and I'm watching this game, and I'm excited that they're blowing the whistle because I want to catch the replay, <laughs> and the replay shows uh, the pucks in the net. Uh, tie game, and then a missed assignment, uh, 2-1, empty net goal, 3-1. That game, I've said afterwards, felt like the low point of the season. That was as deflating a loss because you wanted to kind of turn the page after the Pacific Coast road trip. You're getting a little bit healthier, and you wanted to say – all right, good performance, albeit against maybe a Stars team that did not have their medium or modest performance themselves. You had a solid game there. You got a point against a very good team. Can you carry that momentum forward? And then you have the Canadians afterwards. And to get no points out of the game, I thought was just that 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 one really. We'll, we'll get to the Capitals game, obviously, but that one was deflating. That that well, to me, that was a real game. And and like, I'm not trying to discredit the Islanders when they have their wins. And sure, you got to take care of when if a team doesn't show up, make them pay for it. And that's what they did. Minnesota, not an issue because they play the old Barry Trot system. Everybody is working hard to the bitter end, and they're gonna fight to earn their goals. They're not gonna complain. They're not gonna look for Timo Meyer. They're just gonna dig their heels in, lose one of their best players, one of their most offensive players, not use as an, as an excuse, and stick to the formula that has been time-tested no matter what. If everybody buys in, and as Jordan Eberle just said this past week, checks their ego at the door, which is what the Islanders did apparently, because that's what he said. Every single Islander checked their ego at the door because they had a bunch of losing and they had enough of it. And that's what you get. You can you can expect to get with a lackluster roster. Look at the Minnesota Wilds roster and tell me who impresses you outside of a few players. And they get wins. They rack up wins. How with that roster? Oh, that's right. Structure, work ethic. And they've bought in to their system that they have there. The Islanders, on the other hand, you know, now that they had a little bit of winning, no, it's, it's their egos. They got checked right back into the door. They left them at the door. Now they've all come back in. You're talking about having a one nothing lead against Minnesota. Matt Barzell had as many turnovers as the entire Minnesota Wild team. Now, when you looked at, oh, well, who are you talking about, Andy, with these Islanders who are not giving it all, who are lollygagging out there? It's not just the effort per se, where you can watch it and say like, oh, he's skating fast and he's skating hard. Five turnovers is careless. 
when you match their whole team and then you saw in the overtime against Washington and that's just his little his little issue is he's all offense and when he turns it over I'm not going to try as hard you get the 100% offense and then you get the 70% defense and for me a guy who just cares about winning that's unacceptable that's unacceptable this is this is what I'm talking about the death by a thousand needles and you're not getting what's necessary to accumulate wins. It's all these things. And you have a blown lead at one, blown lead at the next, blown three-goal lead at home. These are all the markings of a losing team. It's as simple as that. And it's off. 23 uh, overall turnovers in that game against Minnesota. Uh, you mentioned the five bar- by Barzell. But, you know, that was a – that game I felt weird about because, you know, they were, I thought, giving themselves a little bit too much credit. For, for that performance after the game that they felt like they played a really solid game and were there and, you know, Did you see what their goalie said? The high danger point. Yeah, so that's, that's where I was getting at. I mean, the that's, that's shot that embarrassing. Game, five. As, yo, that is as embarrassing of a quote as I've ever seen because usually there's this unwritten code like, don't shit on these other teams. Be like, you know, it's the NHL. There's never a night off. Detroit Lions, NFL never a lot. Well, I guess that's the wrong team now. But, you know, like the joke of the odd. Oh, no, there's no easy wins in the NFL. When they say, oh, well, that's kind of what we were expecting from the Islanders, just outside shots. That is as embarrassing as it comes. And that was that should have been a wake up call on uh, on the interior in their team meetings and to the coaching staff. Like, wow, this is. This is awful. Like you said, you've seen the decrease in the defensive efforts, but you haven't seen the promised uptick. And that's why they're, you know, a borderline disgrace right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think when you combine, you know, like you said, the sound structural defense of Minnesota with the way the Islanders normally play anyway, <laughs> you understand why he made that comment uh, around the, the shots coming out from the perimeter and the, and the high danger chances, I think, were 16 to 5 in that game. So that one, that game kind of rubbed me the wrong way in the post game. Because the media was trying to ask Lambert about the sense of urgency. And he was like, oh, well, there's a, there's a whole always urgency. But the guys, they were just talking about how they played a good game. They beat themselves late. Like, it was matter of fact. And I was like, mm, you didn't play that great of a game. Like, you were in, you were lucky to be in the position that you were in. Yes. You could have won that game, yes, because of Sorokin, again, uh, playing real well. But it wasn't as if you were dictating your play to Minnesota. That was That was not the case the Montreal game and we've been looking for these quick starts. Montreal came in as a team that had given up you know, five, five and a half goals a game. I think over their previous eight heading into that and they get the two quick goals, Sezikis and Beauvillier. And I was looking at that game on the quick two, nothing as all right, here's going to be the get well game, right? This is going to be the, everyone gets a goal type of game. You can get off everyone off the schneid. Nelson could score. Dobson can score. Barzell's going to have a few assists and you're going to win 6-1, 6-2 and, and feel good and maybe get everyone off, you know, off this drought that they've been in. And the fact that they didn't, the fact that they had to survive that game 2-1 despite 38 shots, I understand that against a, you know, a team. Granted, they went into Madison Square Garden and won a couple of nights later, but not a very good hockey team. I thought that was problematic because that I thought that was a drought breaker type of game for the offense and it just didn't happen. Here, there's almost something on a more of a macro level that I'm feeling. The fans, obviously, there are plenty of reasons to be frustrated. I don't stick up for Islander fans a lot. You've heard this. I call them the carnies more often than not. But there is reason for there's a reason for the Islander fans to 
have lost trust and faith and even hope in the team. Everything from what we hear them say in the post game, it doesn't, it doesn't match what you're seeing. Like you said, like, I feel like they're, they're gaslighting us. Like they're lying about their level of play. They're acting like there's some magic thing that's going to come out of nowhere. It never does. Then there's the lack of transparency with the GM and then the secrecy of all the injuries and Islander fans feel like people who are being treated as random outsiders and you feel the energy in the building that you can hear pin drops in the Islanders building. The fans seem disinterested and I got news to you. There's plenty of reasons to be. And remember, I'm not somebody who sticks up for Islander fans most of the time, <laughs> but there is reason for them to be like, so uh, apathetic, just have right. no, just who cares? Yeah, because like they've grown, grown fatigue yeah. to the storylines and the narratives at this point. I think Joe Pantoro in AM New York today, you know, headline was, you know, the season has gone stale. It's it's a stale type of feel around the team. And the thing that, you know, I have to chuckle about is it's like these three, four games ch- every week, the buildup leading to the week is exactly the same. Oh, we got this big road trip heading out to the Pacific coast. It's good to get, it's good to get away. Sometimes bond with the boys, you know, sometimes it's really good to have these long road trips together and then that doesn't go well. And then it's, you know, it was great to get home, be around the family, recharge, get back in front of our building. And now it's starting now that that, that's on its way. It's, oh, we got this big week coming up ahead. We got Buffalo. We got Carolina. It's just kind of turning yeah, the page. Yeah, it's next week. I know, to... guys. We had a bad weekend. Next weekend's going to be fun. You got people coming into town. It's going to be great. We're going to go to the bar. It's going to be fun. Then that doesn't, no, don't worry about it. You know, it's third weekend. Yeah, it's always you're a next week guy. And eventually you run out of weeks. And it's 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 just it's infuriating. It really is. And going back to something I was saying last week when I was just trying to truly describe what I meant when I was talking about the lack of desperation and the and the lackadaisical nature of the performances as if they were owed a playoff seed if they were owed a bunch of wins in a row without having to earn them and you were asking me to single out players I'm going to do the opposite of singling out players by singling out a player (laughs) if you watch Hudson Fashing play I got news for you there is no part of his game where you go wow what a stud what you see in him is what you could be seeing out of more players. He plays with the level of desperation that I'm talking about, but he plays with it because he's trying to keep his job in the NHL. It's not a it's not a skill thing. It's a will thing. He is exhibiting it, and all of the Islanders who are capable of that. I don't want to hear that they're not capable of giving their all, but they're not. They're so comfortable. They're all lackadaisical in their nature. And this is what I'm talking about. If some of those veterans matched what Hudson Fashing is bringing on a nightly basis, we're probably not even having any of these conversations. But because of those long two playoff runs, they've all been there. They think it's owed to them. They think it's magically going to come back. They, they have to like relearn lessons, just like Islander fans who have to relearn lessons that getting away good defensive coach and structure is an absolute nightmare. And you spent years with a good offense trying to get wins in there. And now they have to relearn that same thing a mere three years later as they blow every game that they get a lead in. Can't hold third a three-goal lead at home against an old garbage Capitals team. I don't don't point to their playoff spot. They've been playing the easiest teams I've ever seen in my life, lost back to 
to backs to Philadelphia. They're garbage. They'll be out of the playoffs in one round max once again. And the fact that they at home needing points, looking directly up at them in the standings, could not get two points when being up three to nothing. It's an absolute disgrace. And it's a nice microcosm of, you know, where they've come and what they are at this point. And the game against Washington, the start they've been talking about, and it's 2 nothing once again, and a little bit different than the game in Montreal. They break through on the fashion goal. They go up 3 nothing, And again, you get tricked into thinking, all right, maybe this is going to be the performance. Maybe this is the breakthrough uh, that you've been looking for, a sound, dominating win at home against a metropolitan rival that you're looking up to in the standings. You pull one game, maybe one point, Within them, you have a game in hand. You start thinking about it, at least I was, right? Early second period, I'm starting to think about the other side of the rainbow. I'm saying you're going to win this game. You're going to be a point behind Washington, a game in hand against them. And all of a sudden, maybe things don't look that bad. And whether or not you want to draw a line to the Ovechkin hit on Pajot, whatever it was, as soon as they made it 3-1, you started to go, ugh. And they could not get that fourth goal. They had chances. Hutchin Fashing, you, men- you mentioned, probably had some of the better ones. But he is not a, quote, finisher either. And no one else is on this team right now, especially the guys that are being paid to be those or at least be above average type scorers. And uh, they could not get the fourth goal. They couldn't make it 4-1. They couldn't make it 4-2. And they couldn't regain the lead at 4-3. Pajot had a great opportunity on the breakaway. Stoned by Kemper, who played a really good game in the second half. And then I was thinking of you on that replay on three on three with Matt Barzell losing his guy, the defenseman, looking the wrong way. Orlov sneaks in behind him, makes a heck of a move on Sorokin, and uh, you take your point and go home. Yeah. I mean, I have seen people say there's no better uh, way to prove that the Islanders are lacking forward. talent and abilities than their inability to score on penalty shots. Now, I dis- I disagree with that kind of just philosophy. If you don't score on penalty shots, it means you're not very skilled. We see some of the best scorers in the league refuse to take penalty shots because it's simply not their thing. However, trading for a player, if you are idiotic enough to think that that's going to fix the issue because you have now one score who you can put with Barzell and you don't even know if that's going to have chemistry. Like when the Islanders traded what a first and a second for Vanek, and then he couldn't, he ended up not even being able to play with Tavares because they had no chemistry. So you want to invest in that to simple. And, and this is another great thing about him. Well, you saw that happen. chemistry, right? I mean, just fair. I think, well, well they had to move him. Vanek post on Tavares were pretty darn good, I think, but then Tavares got hurt too, which yeah, really, throughout any chance of chemistry i know but but the thing is that that was not that was not any it didn't make any sort of difference in the long-term results of the team no trading for that and he was a number one winger at the time he was i believe like a 40 goal scorer and you brought him in and you saw what that did for you but you know around here we never get any learning we just want to send as much as we can away as we see a team of a bunch of people in their 30s essentially who can't score so why don't we give away a couple more first round picks to bring in one 20s guy who is probably due for a massive contract i mean these are the worst fantasy football gms i've ever seen in my life you really think timo meyer takes this team from what tell me where it takes i was just talking to somebody about how maybe maybe Patrick Kane will take the Rangers from kind of 
level three playoff team to level two playoff team, but not up in the, to the likes of like the Bruins or the Hurricanes. So if Patrick Kane ain't doing that for the Rangers, what the hell is Timo Meyer doing for the Islanders? So I, I don't, I just, I don't get why people think that that's going to be the ultimate difference. I think maybe they've just been trained to think by seeing a lack of scoring in all these games through the years that that's the magic answer that's going to cure it all. But it 100% will not. All right. Well, listen, let's take a break there, a pause. I want to get your thoughts and we'll talk about, okay, well, what do you do then? You're making your case as to, hey, listen, Timo Meyer is not going to magically make this team and fix fix all their problems offensively and otherwise. So what it is it what is it that you do do if you're Lou Lamarill and the Islanders? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast, Joe Bono and Andy Francis, powered by the Fan-Sided Sports Network. We'll be right back. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're back. Joe Bono, Andy Francis, Eyes on Isles podcast. And you were talking about Timo Meyer and obviously San Jose is in the position where they may want to um, unload some players given where they are currently in the standings. He's having a career year, 26, 27 years old. Uh, looks like he's on pace for 40, 45 goals this year. And if you're an Islander fan and you're looking at this roster, not only this year, but years on pass, you're saying what they don't have elite offensive skill. They don't have a big time goal scorer. That's why these teams go. That's why the team is in a drought like this because they have a lot of the same type of guys that can score between 20 and 25 goals on a good season. And they're not there every single night for the other team to worry about. But you're against that type of move. So then the question is well, what type of move are you making at this point? Or are you just writing it through with these guys until the end of the year and reevaluate? So if you're the Rangers, you make a move like that because you can see what they have. They have a nasty power play, one line they can kind of rely on, and the goal, the goaltender. I mean, they're essentially rolling over the same team that they went into the playoffs this year, but they're lacking some of those forwards who are able to help out. You know, and I hate to even call Ryan Strom something like that. So you can see how somebody like Patrick Kane or Timo Meyer would immensely help the Rangers' chances. But the Islanders aren't even like within that striking distance. You're talking about maybe a player guaranteeing them wild card level play hockey. So it's just like, what are we doing it for? You know, it, it, the I mean, trade, if I'm Devil's Advocate, the trade right? is to help We've them all- right now. But from devil's advocate, right? If anything about the Islanders' current roster, I think the prevailing thought has been that they can play a style of playoff hockey. Granted, we haven't seen that style this year, but they can do that and be a difficult out in the playoffs. Plus, they have an elite-level goaltender. So is it not worth it, given the fact of the makeup of the team, the age of the roster, the doubling down from last season to this one, to do what it takes to even get in as an eighth seat and roll the dice and see what happens compared That's to a farce. 
But then what are you doing, Andy? You're just I mean, going that's to play the season and finish nine or ten out there. What do you have to, to say that they're magically going to become this tough out going off of years ago when they got where they hemorrhaged? I'm just comparing that to the alternative. I'm just saying well, comparing to the alternative. You're just going to run out the season, finish ninth, six points behind, and that's it. If you're right, though, if you were right, I would agree with you. Like, hey, they're the type of team you give them a lower seed and one of these players. Watch them go on a run. They've I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm just saying that that's, that's one way well, of thinking about it. Because if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? Well, I'm just saying, tell the devil's advocate that you're representing that they haven't demonstrated any ability to play that quote-unquote tough-out type of hockey. Tough-out type of hockey is what the Minnesota Wild are playing. The Philadelphia Flyers would give a team a harder time in a playoff series because at least they'd be busting their ass and Tortorella would force shot blocks out of them and whatnot. We are the opposite of a tough-out. We are the, oh, you go down 3 nothing. No worries. We can come back because they're not going to do what's necessary to close out that game. So that is why. My hope before the season was they were going to take elements of what Trotz brought and they were going to free it up a little. And hopefully some of those players who had off years last year were going to be able to rebound somewhat. And that freedom of not getting benched like Trotz used to do with guys like Wallstrom would be able to provide a little room for them to breathe and expand their wings. And that would work out. Well, unfortunately, the Trotz defense isn't there. And we've mentioned this a million times. Those players spreading their wings aren't there. So we're getting the worst of both worlds, which is why if I'm sending multiple first round picks away for a guy like that what is it for we're, we're gonna we're gonna be in limbo then for multiple years the right thing to do unfortunately is not make that trade and realize and i hate saying this but you're closer to a team who needs to figure things out how you're gonna go long term because that whole short-term window thing they seem they seem quite a ways away from that unfortunately no i i hear i hear what you're saying and i understand that perspective as well how far out do you think they need to be for lou they can make to the play make a sell they can make the playoffs that's the funny thing so is you like, your, like, your 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 thought is listen there's no purpose to making a trade like that because it's not going to bring you to where you are to real stanley cup contention so why give up future assets that you're going to probably need because you need to kind of rebuild on the fly here a little bit in the next couple of years. And you're going to need either those assets or finally make a pick in the first round for someone to come two, three, four years later and join whatever core is left of the team right now. If, if, if you're saying keep the status quo, are, is, are, are you just being a proponent to say, write it out with this group, I don't care if you're Scott Mayfield on the last year of your contract or Semyon Varlamov or anyone else that might have any trade value. You're just going to stay the course, see what this team's got, see if they can get hot over the last 20 games and sneak in and see what happens. Well, I have minimal faith in even that. Is The problem is if they get in, like I said, they are a full um, two and a half tiers below the Bostons and Carolinas. But you're saying, you know what, I'd rather, I'd rather them get in without having to give up any assets for a player that may or may not make a difference this year. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah. What now, if that comes with an extension, though? What if there is an opportunity to do uh, do like what they did with Pajot? Well, then that that keeps you in that lingering state, though, because now you 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 can't build on that through the draft, and because you know you've you've probably sent away a couple of different picks, and and you're just kind of stuck because you got this guy in his twenties now, 
because you can still you still have Barzal who's young enough and you have the the two big defensemen and there are enough young players where you can start with a core and it shouldn't take too long to get the pieces around it to change. It's not that crazy if you take the main defenseman and uh, Sorokin and Barzal and kind of start afresh and give people chances, you'd be surprised. Because then all of a sudden, if you have even a shred of, of success, then all of a sudden, and I know the Red Wings preemptively did this as they brought on like Cop and Perron, but there are better versions of that available where if the Islanders kind of gave these younger opportunities, they're going to have to be bad for like this year and another year. It's not going to be good, but I'll tell you what, they have not shown enough. I was very hopeful that this team who was so close to a Stanley Cup would show the pedigree and just show that they they want it. But collectively, they they don't. I'm sorry, they don't. You know what a hungry team looks like. The Avalanche, for example, they went up 2-0 in the playoffs to Vegas, and then they blew that series. You saw a team hell-bent on winning because they were so close, and they let it slip, and they blew. That's what determination looks like. They swept through the league, had the one seed by a mile, and crushed it during the playoffs. That's what a motivated team looks like. And I just thought these guys who dreamed of winning a Stanley Cup and who came so close two years ago would have some of that in them, and it just ain't there. And my bad on me for thinking that it would be in them, but it's not. And it's very sad to say, and they can make the playoffs. They can win two games. They have no chance of beating the hurricane type Bruin type teams. You can try to convince yourself that they can get, they have shown zero of this. I wish they showed some of it. I wish they showed some of the shutdown defense. It's never there. They never had their car. So simple as that. Listen, I think we're still, you know, a month, month and a half away from these type of decisions being made. But when Lamarillo made the decision to move on from Barry Trotz and and hire Lane Lambert, it did create this kind of, you know, curious predicament of you know, hiring a first year head coach on a four year contract, and the person doing it's an 80, 81 year old GM who may or may not be on his final year of his contract. So, if this does not work out, what happens? And I have no idea. You heard ownership, and they're giving the vote of confidence as you've ex- as you would expect them to do um, from John Ledecky, and I don't know the clear path out. If this happened again with Trots this year, maybe the whole season would be different. But let's say they were playing a very similar type of style and we're getting very similar type of results. You would say, okay, moving forward, what are you going to do? You're going to move on from Barry Trots. Maybe Lamorello steps aside. You're bringing a new head coach. You're bringing a new GM and it's a fresh look on things. Because of that move, Man, it's a strange thing, unless you're saying now Chris Lamarillo is going to come in and ascend to that top role and just kind of keep it going. Very interesting to watch going into the offseason and how that impacts or does not impact what Lou Lamarillo decides to do this trade deadline, right? If he's thinking that this may not be something he's going to be around for after this season, we have no idea, but human nature would make you think that that would make him become more of a buyer uh, than not. Yeah. I mean, don't forget what the Columbus Blue Jackets did a couple of years back when they traded for Duchesne, 
who did they trade? They uh, who did they they acquired? Uh, they gave a high pick for somebody from Ottawa as well. I'm trying to remember, and that's it. They got eliminated, and then Bobrovsky left, and Panarin left, and Duchesne left, and their first round picks left as well. And do you want to be one of the? I mean, Nashville are lingerers like the Islanders, uh, an eight seed type of team who have no real way to escalate up to championship status, and. That's it. We're we're the, we're the predators of the East, just wild card <laughs> lingerers. Only a, a more fun town, you know, Elmont compared to uh, to <laughs> yeah. Nashville. Better road trip, right? Well, listen. Uh, we'll hopefully, um, you know, we'll see what the Islanders do against Boston. Boston's been damn good all year long. No signs of slowing down. I'll just played a, a pretty good game up in Boston. Got a point. Um, back in middle of December, maybe they surprise us, and uh, I would expect Sorokin to be in net again. They just keep on putting him out there, putting him out there, because Lane Lambert knows that he's their best chance to win back-to-back games. I guess suspect that Varlamov gets back in net in Buffalo, who's got a really good offense and have been playing some really good hockey over the last month. So, you know, over the next two nights here, as we look ahead to Wednesday, Thursday, ugh, you look up on Friday, if they get no points out of these next two games and they're not going to be a favorite to win in either, could get ugly. Look, they have half a season to prove us wrong. I wish, I, I wish that we're both wrong. Prove you more really. wrong than me. But Yeah, yes. I'm sorry. Well, the, <laughs> I, I'm only reporting to you what I see with my eyes. When the Islanders went into that bubble, when it started, their play – I I couldn't be more complimentary of their play. When it calls for it, that's when you give them credit. They controlled every single game out until the Tampa series, outshot their opponents almost every single game, and it was easy to see. It's easy to see they don't look good mm-hmm. this year. And the odds of after a bad season and now a bad half a season, I just as a gambling man, which you know I tend to be at times, the odds of the second half of this deferring to the Two years ago, three years ago, trots level with this personnel, which is completely different, sometimes a little older without guys like Taze and Letty. Uh, color me skeptical, but that's just kind of where I'm at. Hopefully, you know, they grow a pair of balls and find some of that life in them and well, realize that this way that they're playing, all the blown leads, all the missed opportunity to accumulate points all the flat starts on the road with the they will worry about about it tomorrow islanders hopefully that they they move on past all this because i understand the regular season is a marathon but you start getting to that 55 60 game point you know that final sprint almost isn't going to mean anything if you're not close enough and right now despite everything that we've talked about and despite the bad road trip and the a very disappointing homestand. They're still right there uh, because other teams have been stumbling as well. Uh, so whether it be Pittsburgh, Washington, you know, one of these teams can certainly falter if the Islanders get hot and they have not gotten hot. Um, every one of these other teams have at some point, this team hasn't yet. That's the thing that you're hoping for that uh, just, you know, law of averages means the Islanders are going to play a, you know, six Oh and one or, you know, seven Oh and two type stretch where they're getting, you know, 14 out of 16 points. And next thing you know, they are comfortably in a seven C type spot with uh, a couple other teams chasing them, but nothing to this point has led us to believe that that 
can happen. All right, Andy, maybe we'll do a happy version of this uh, eventually before the season's over. I'm sorry. I, I really, I really, no, I'm no, nothing to apologize. Nothing to apologize. Time, I got it I was, off my out, chest. But how and could I was you? Fine. But yeah, but look what happened, right? Like I said, they've been losing games in, in new ways. You were ready. You you were you were beyond um, the, the the slow start. You got that part off your chest, but now you have to deal with the blown three nothing leads and the <laughs> you know scoring I, I only one or two lose, goals man. every single night. I don't mind if you lose. It's how you lose. <laughs> right. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. Even if they lose every game, I'm coming in happy next time. I'm going to give you guys some some Janu- late January cheer. <laughs> I guarantee it. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. For Andy Francis, I am Joe Bono. We will talk to you next time on the country. Good night. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.